Welcome to another week of Tabernate Talks. We are uh, a special week here. As we head into uh, a new year, uh, a lot of things going on in the mortgage market, as you know. Uh, I don't have a guest here this week because I wanted to end off the year with uh, really um, going over some questions and answers that I've been getting all year. Uh, I thought it was important to really come out to you this week and and let you know um, my answers to these important questions. And uh, if you're going to be buying a home in the new year or refinancing, which I think a lot of people will start refinancing in the new year as these rates start to come down. Uh, if you didn't notice, uh, the, the 10-year treasury has uh, gone under 4%, which means rates are coming down pretty dramatically. I've seen rates this week in the sixes uh, on FHA. I've seen them on VA. I've seen rates even in the fives uh, on FHA and VA, which is amazing. Um, and even conventional rates uh, touching six and a half. So, you know, this is a big new year that we're heading into. Um, I think, you know, you're going to see some good things this year. You're going to see a turnaround. So I, I wanted to make sure that uh, if you had specific questions, which I do get every week, uh, I tried to answer my uh, most important ones for you. So, um, one of the biggest questions that I get uh, week in and, and week out are, um, you know, who can you trust right now in a, in a market where, um, you know, there's a lot of online lenders, uh, there's a lot of brokers, there's a lot of out-of-state companies that we've never heard of. Uh, who can you trust to do your mortgage? You know, so, you know, there's, there's just, you have so many options. And the options that I think that you should look at are, first of all, are they local? right? A local lender is who you want to go with, right? So we're in Philadelphia here, um, but I do a lot of Jersey business. I do uh, some Delaware business on the side too. Um, you know, you really want to focus on, are they local? Are they trusted? You know, did you look up their reviews? You know, who are they, right? Um, you know, who, who do they know? Like you always want to ask, you know, a, a person that you may trust in your family circle or friend circle to say, you know, who did you use and who was trusted and local that took care of you in a deal? Don't just go online and pick the first person who has the lowest interest rate. You know, picking the person who has the lowest interest rate isn't always the one that's going to win. Okay. You know, they may give you a super low interest rate, but then they may never deliver, or you may get the answer or a phone call a week before closing saying that, you know, this is a declined or you're not approved anymore. I've seen that happen and it's not nice. Uh, you know, they, they may tell you, well, that rate that we promised you uh, three weeks ago is no longer valid, right? And that's a problem because you you can't do anything if you're the week before closing, uh, unfortunately. You, you have to uh, then go with them and, and wind up closing. So I think, you know, in a world of online lenders, in a world of, uh, you know, a lot of people pitching you, you don't even know who they are, all these weird companies hitting you, try to stick with a local lender. Green Tree is a local lender that I work for. I've been uh, here going on my eighth year. Um, I was with uh, Allied Mortgage before this for eight years, another local lender. You know, I never went with a, a commercial uh, company where it was somewhere where we never knew where they were, or who they were, or, or had no uh, reviews or anything like that. I've always tried to keep it local, and I think that's the way to go. So that's a, that's a big question that I've been getting. So hopefully that uh, helps you there. Um, you know, another question that I get constantly, you know, how many options should I ask for, right? So, so I'm saying go to the local lender, right? So they'll call me and they'll say, Alex, you know, you, you were referred 
uh, by a, a trusted realtor, which I have a big network of realtors that I deal with. Um, you know, who do you work with? Uh, how many options should I get? Right. So uh, they get an interest rate quote from me. And I'm not saying that I'm the be all end all. Right. You know, you, you do want to scope around and, and make sure that I'm giving you a legit quote. The problem is, is that a lot of these clients or first time buyers that get into the market, they um, they don't shop around. You know, they, they just go with the first person that that they see. And uh, you have to at least get another option or another opinion. You know, I always ask my realtors that I deal with. I know that you have this client and I know that they're buying a house, but, you know, should they, uh, could I get a second opinion for them uh, as far as what the interest rate is, what the costs are, what the fees are? I mean, I, I think that's a big thing right now. Like you have so many options. Okay. And then here you are just cornered into to one. I'm, so it, it's better to look around, make sure that this person's giving you a good deal. Uh, make sure that the fees are legit, nothing crazy. And again, that, that the person is, is well known you know, that they're, they're, uh, you know, they have a good reputation. If you can do that and you get, I think two, three options is the most, you don't want to get six, seven options. I think it starts to get crazy then, um, because you're, you, you lose sight of, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm shopping around with all these lenders. I don't even know who gave me the right quote. So go with the quote that you like, but uh, at least, you know, try to shop it around. Uh, that's what I think that is a, is a problem with a lot of people is that they get cornered into doing something that they don't want to do. And they don't even know that, you know, there were other options that they could have done, um, you know, to lead on that, you know, if, if you're a realtor in this business, I want you to remember that loan officers work on commission, just like you, they, you know, they're hundred percent commissioned. They don't have salaries, right? So if a loan officer doesn't close a, a deal for a client, um, they don't get paid either, right? So it's everyone has skin in the game when it comes to real estate, right? The, the realtor has skin in the game. The loan officer has skin in the game. And you, uh, if you're a realtor and you know that loan officer's local, they worked hard for the deal. They've been working with the client for a long time. Uh, you know, they, they've had them approved. And now they're, you, the, the client is dealing with you as a realtor. If you're a realtor, I, I don't think it's right that you steer them to uh, another lender just because you know that other lender and you feel that your lender should get the deal. I think that, you know, if it's a legit lender, a, a legit loan officer who's done his homework, who has a solid approval, who's local, trusted, reputable, has the reviews, leave it alone. You know, if, if that customer wants to shop around, that should be up to the customer to shop around. It shouldn't be up to the uh, realtor to tell the customer, hey, well, listen, you know, I don't care that Alex has you approved, even though he's the number one loan officer in Philadelphia, let's just say, which I'm not, but it, you know, it, let's just say I am, well, I'll just go with my guy because it's my guy. You know, that is wrong. Um, you're taking food out of people's mouths. And I think it's a, a situation that you really have to watch out because as a loan officer, you wouldn't like us steering a client to another realtor. Uh, that would, that would hurt you. Right. And, and your commission would hurt too. I think it's a team effort here, right? Everybody's got to be on the same team. And as a client, I don't, I think it makes the client feel awkward. Um, you know, knowing that your realtor is trying to steer you to someone else that you don't need to go to. Again, it's your choice. You pick who you want to go to. It's your choice. If you want to shop around, if you don't want to shop around, but don't let anybody make that choice for you. Okay. So that's a big one, uh, that I, that I get every week. Um, so we're heading into the new year. We're seeing a lot of first-time buyers come out, right? They're seeing that these rates are coming down. You know, they're, they're, they don't know how much money they need. So how much do I need for a down payment? Okay. 
this is a big one that I get every week. Like I, I think the misconception out there is that you need 20% for a down payment. You don't. Okay. So let's, let's really go into the like times of change guys. You know, this is not 2001 or 2000 where everybody was doing 20% down and everybody had a lot of money. The, the world has changed in the mortgage industry. Uh, there's so many options out there now where you don't need to put down 20%. Uh, you don't need to pay uh, private mortgage insurance if you don't need to and not put down 20%. There's ways where you can pay the private mortgage insurance off at closing as a one-time fee. You can build it into your interest rate so you don't have to pay it monthly. Uh, if you had a, a good loan officer who knows his options on down payments, you, you need to ask them what I what's better for me. Um, you know, 5% down, 3% down, three and a half percent down, you know, there's so many different down payment options that may work for you, uh, where you, you, you'll like the payment, you'll like the interest rate. And guess what? You saved money, use the money to renovate your house. You know, if you have 20% to put down, you may not need to do the 20% down. So you could use it to, you know, to pay off debt maybe on the side after you close. Um, you know, it, sometimes, and this is just sometimes, uh, and this is a secret here that, uh, Lenders actually price interest rates. I don't even think it's the lender, so I'm, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say Fannie Mae and, and, and you know, the, the investors themselves who, who quote these rates uh, give you a better deal sometimes if you do 5% down or 3% down versus 20% down. Why? Because the loan amount is higher, right? So it's more, it's more money to the bank. Uh, it's more money to the mortgage company. So they're going to make it uh, more aggressive on their pricing or their interest rates to um, give you a better deal. So watch out. Like I, I've had somebody where the rate was seven and a half at 20% down. Here I go pricing it at seven and a quarter and, and the rate is, uh, I'm sorry, 5% down and the rate is seven and a quarter, you know? So, so the rate could be as far as a quarter point better with putting less down. Uh, so, so shop your options around uh, down payments are a big thing right now. Yes. The more you put down, like if you come to me and say, I'm going to do 30% down or 40% down, most first-time buyers don't have that kind of money as we know. You could do that. You'll probably get the best rate of all because you're doing 30, 40% down. But a lot of people don't have that. And as a first-time buyer, I don't want you to think that you need 20% down saved. You know, a good 5 or 10% down is a solid payment, uh, down payment in this market. 3% uh, down and 3.5% down are the new norms that I see a, a big part of. So don't be afraid to ask about that. Um, another big one, uh, and, I, and I get that, I, I got this yesterday actually was, and I still get it every day. Uh, you know, can I use, okay, so I'm married. I have, uh, you know, it's me and my wife, um, but my wife's credit may not be as good as mine. Okay, so um, she makes an income and I make an income. Can I just use my income to qualify? And do we have to use my wife on the loan at all? The answer to that is no. You know, you can use whoever you want on a mortgage, on an application. Whatever makes your loan officer should be telling you your best option is to using a single income or do you need both incomes to qualify? Uh, do you need, you know, whose credit's better? Whose credit shouldn't be used? Can we use both people? You know, I've qualified families off of single income, Okay where, you know, it's been the, the, the husband and the wife working. And like I said, the husband was stronger on credit. He was stronger on income. We removed the wife from the application itself. Now watch out because I know you're saying, well, I want my wife on the loan. Of course you do. You're married. So I understand. Okay. But you can have them on the deed. 
Okay. So, you know, and on the deed, you're still 50, 50 on the home, no matter what. Okay. So it doesn't matter who's on the mortgage itself, as long as someone's on the deed. Okay. But that single income could qualify the whole loan. And that could be a big difference on your interest rate, as far as, you know, what you're getting, you know, on overall on terms, like you could, you could go from six and a half on excellent credit on a single income. I add somebody else on the loan who has bad credit, but we still add them on the loan anyway, because you want them on the loan and it brings the interest rate from six and a half to seven and a half. But this could be a big difference on your monthly payment. It could be a lot of interest over the life of the loan. Um, so you, you really want to make sure that, you know, you know that single income is okay. Uh, adding a person on the deed, especially if you're married, because they're probably going to be added on anyway, is okay. Uh, and that, you know, getting the best terms in a mortgage is what you want. Okay. Let your loan officer do the work. Let them do the structuring of the deal. Let them work it out. You know, it's not your job to come to them to tell them, well, I want to do it this way. No, you, if they're know what they're doing and they're experienced, which, you know, in this market, you got to find the best loan officers because they are experienced and they know what they're doing. Let them structure it. And, and believe me, you'll be happy in the end when you get better terms than you should have got. Some loan officers just throw the, the, the application into processing and underwriting. They're not true advisors. Uh, a true advisor is telling you, this is, I think, the best way for you to go right? This is the, this is the, the key way that I think that you should take this deal in order to save yourself thousands on interest over the life of the loan. And uh, believe me, you'll remember that advisor and you'll want to use that person again when you go to buy another home. So, uh, so that's a big one there. Um, so I do a lot of VA loans. Uh, you know, VA loans are government loans. Okay. They're, you know, they're, if you've been in the military in the past, uh, you, you may be a spouse of a person who was in the military where the spouse, unfortunately could be deceased, but you still have their, their VA benefits. Um, you were in the reserve, you, you serve for a certain amount of time in the reserve or there's a certain amount of time in an army, Navy, whatever it may be in the, in the service you served and you you have your VA eligibility, right? Uh, why wouldn't you want to use that? I have a lot of lenders that, that are, you know, saying, well, it's better to go conventional than a VA loan. Um, I don't always agree with that at all. I, I think you got to scope both options. VA loans are great. You know why VA loans are great? It's 100% financing, okay? It, no money down. So that's a big one. Their interest rates are better on a VA loan than a conventional loan. And I don't care what you say, a government loan pricing on good credit is going to give you a better interest rate on a VA loan than a conventional loan, Okay. There's no PMI with zero down, no private mortgage insurance monthly. So that's a big plus benefit, okay? And the appraisals are done by a VA certified appraiser. They're usually extremely legit. If there's a problem with the value, the VA appraiser would give you time to, to scope, uh, like three or four days, actually three days to scope you know, comps to make sure that the, the value was brought in correctly. And you can, you can question what they came back with. A VA loan does close in 30 days. I've closed them in 30 days. So that misconception of that takes 45 to 60 days to close a VA loan is incorrect. Um, but I, I think that the benefits of the VA loan far outweigh a lot of the times a conventional loan. They outweigh an FHA loan. A lot of people don't know this. You can use your VA loan more than one time right? You can, uh, you might build a lot of equity in your house and, uh, you can refinance yourself out of a VA loan 
and put it into a conventional loan if you have enough equity and then go and use your VA loan again for another house, okay? People don't know that. Sometimes you can even have two VA loans open at the same time if you have enough eligibility on your VA. Some people don't know that either. Like I, I have a current VA loan open, Alex. Can I go buy another house VA? We check your certificate of eligibility. We see if you have enough equity uh, or not equity, eligibility. And if we you have the eligibility, then you're, um, you're, you're eligible to do two VA loans at the same time. So this is something that I think you really need to have an experienced VA loan officer, okay? Not an online company who's not going to talk to you and just going to go through email or text message. I'm talking about actually talking to a person like myself or a, a, a local loan officer who does a lot of VA loans, knows experience from the market. I've done, um, I used to work on, a, on an account that's called USAA. USAA used to only do VA loans. I worked on that account from 2001 to 2005, um, four years straight of just doing VA loans. I know the, the product inside and out. I know it better than most of these online lenders that you're dealing with. Not to, to, to toot my horn, but to tell you that you're in good hands if you're coming to me saying that you want to do a VA loan. I'm going to pitch that to the listing agent when you make an offer on a home, how solid you are doing the VA loan, how good they are, how good their credit is. Listen, you, you fought for our country, right? You served for our country. Why not use the loan that's given to you by your country to get 100% financing and, and get the deal done. And in this market where the volume is down right now and there's more houses that are sitting longer, you'll most likely get a VA loan approved quicker uh, as far as an accepted offer than you did six months ago. So uh, it's time to start looking at your VA benefits and I, I think that's a big one that uh, I get uh, time in and time out. Um, okay, so 2023, a lot of people graduated, right? So graduation, was a big time, you know, in May and June, I have all the first time buyers coming out, they're laying on the beach for the summer, they're all happy and they wanna buy their first home in, in September, right? So, you know, they come to me and they say, can I buy a home, Alex? I'm a first time buyer, I got my new job, I'm gonna be making X amount of dollars a year, uh, you know, I'm gonna be starting at my new job, let's say in September, um, but I don't have an employment history, okay? My employment history is me going to school. Right. So the, for the last four years, I've been a full time, you know, uh, person, uh, communications uh, major or whatever major it is that you took. And now you have a job in your field starting and you're going to be making good money, but you just don't have that employment history. You can get a mortgage. OK, I've had multiple people that were shot down this year and I'm talking good people, solid, professional, young people, your your kids. If I'm, I'm talking to the parents out there your kids who want to buy a home, who busted their butt the last four years to go to college, to get a good job, and they got it. And now they're being told by a loan officer that, yeah, you're making 100000 a year at your new job, but guess what? You can't get a mortgage because you have no employment history. That's wrong. It's incorrect. We can use your employment history being your school, right? So we take your diploma. We take your tax, or your, not your tax transcripts, your transcripts from school. We take that and we say, listen, they've been in school for the last four years full time. They, uh, you know, we can use that as your employment history for the last two years. And we have an employment letter or a contract from the new job saying that they're going to work in the same uh, line of work as to what they're doing now. Uh, let's let's get them done. And I've gotten people approved like that. Uh, you know, 
Employment history is a big one as we go into the new year. I think a lot of these applications that are being done from different loan officers are not being done correctly as far. I learned this the hard way. Employment history is, is huge. You got to have your application done correctly. And if you can't do your application correctly, you got to have somebody, you got to hire someone to do it for you that can do a clean application. I learned that the hard way a few times in the past where I tried to do an application so fast on my own and I got it incorrect. You know, employment history is how many years have you been at the job? You know, I need a two-year work history consecutive. If there's any gaps of employment, I need that explained. And if you went to school, I need your transcripts and your diploma to say you went to school and I can use that as your employment history. Don't uh, let another lender shoot you down because they're telling you, well, you need two years in an actual job. That's incorrect. Um, and that's a big one that I'm getting. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I think as we head into the New Year's, these rates are coming down and I think you'll see a lot of first-time buyers coming out, even more graduating this year. And they're gonna have a lot of options to buy because the rates will be lower. And I think if you have your right loan officer that's telling you you know, that I can do the deal as long as I can piece it together, go with that guy because you know he did his homework and you know he knows what he's talking about. So that's a good one. Um, how do I stay motivated in a tough market? That's a good one, right? I mean, I, I talk to loan officers every day that are they're dying by the vine. I feel terrible. And, and guess what? I'm having days that are tough. Uh, you know, don't think that because I've been in the business for so many years that everything is rosy for me and I have all these contacts and all these people. That's not how it goes uh, every day, right? You have good days and you have bad days. Um, in this market in 2023, I think we've seen more tough days and hard days versus better days, okay? But you got to stay motivated. There's not one day that I don't get up and say, I got to go into it again like I like nothing ever happened the day before. I work like... I'm at zero every month, right? The first day of the month, we start at zero, okay? The next day of the month, we start at zero. Um, you really have to go into it saying that this is my career. This is not uh, a fly-by-night, you know, part-time job that I work, that I just do on the side, and, and I'm going to make uh, all this money. It's not going to happen. You have to go into this saying every day that I'm in this for the long run, and I know that there's going to be more hard days then good days, but I'm going to still weather the storm and I'm going to go through. Motivation tips for me that I tell loan officers every day is get up early, right? Don't get up at, at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. Get up at six o'clock, okay? Get your emails done. Start, uh, you know, making sure that your plan is in, in order for the day. Uh, you know, get yourself motivated. Maybe work out. You know, go for a half hour run or an hour run. Go on a, go on a treadmill or, or a Peloton or whatever you got to do to motivate yourself so that you are ready for the kind of day that you know is not going to be easy because when you work a 100% commission job, things don't always go your way. And uh, you know, there's late nights, there's weekends, but to stay motivated, it's going to be in yourself. No one is going to motivate you. You may watch podcasts and you may have your coaches and stuff like that. They help. But the true person that'll make it through this market and, and continue to flourish in this market is the person that inside says, I got the motivation to do it again, no matter how bad of a day it was. I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's go into it. And guess what? I'm going to get a contract that day. I need five contracts by the end of the week. I'm going to do it. You know, so, um, so don't, don't lose sight of who you are. Just because you have a good month, don't become, don't get a big ego either. I see that big time. You know, everybody gets a big ego because they have a couple of good months. 
you know, even maybe a good year. I think everybody really learned that in 2021 and 22 where, or I'm sorry, 2020 and 21 where the rates were 2% and 3% and everybody got a big ego. Well, guess what? I think it was a, a real check this year of where you are, right? And those egos are gone. And uh, the dust is clearing now and a lot of people are gone. And I think if you can just stick it out now and stay motivated the way that you learn uh, the business, then, then you keep going. So, so that's a big one there. Um, refinancing is coming into play, right? Everybody's calling me now saying, should I refinance? Uh, you know, my rate is 7%. Should I refinance? And the rates are six and a half. My answer to that is it should be a, at least a point drop on your interest rate if you're going to refinance, okay? If it's less than a point, it really, really has to make sense, okay? You can't just, don't let a, a company or a loan officer tell you, well, you're going from 7% to 6.75. That's only a quarter point lower than what you have. That, to me, is not the best advice. The best advice is trying to drop at least one point lower than what you have, okay? Um, you know, refinancing, remember, there's going to be costs. There's a lot of companies out there right now that are saying, we're going to refinance you for free. We're going to, there's no cost. In, you know, nothing's for free. Okay. I hate to say that. Uh, you know, there's always some type of cost of some sort. You know, they, whether they're building it into the loan, they're, they're building it into the interest rate, they're doing something. Unless it's a true streamlined refinance where you're, maybe you're going FHA to FHA or VA to VA, you may get your costs truly covered. But then again, there, there may be costs for escrows there too. So watch out when you're refinancing. Like you're going to see a lot of companies come back out of the woodwork now because the rates went back down, okay? They're going to come back out of the woodwork and they're going to say, it's time for you to refinance because the rates went down, you know? And you're going to say to yourself, wow, I got seven and a half. Yes, it is time for me to refinance but let's make sure it makes sense, okay, to do it. Have your loan officer run your numbers. Let them uh, tell you, uh, you know, that it's worth it, that there's a break-even that's less than five years, if you know what that means. And if, and if your loan officer doesn't know what a break-even means and they shouldn't be doing your refinance, and make sure that it makes sense. You know, you may be refinancing two or three times in the next 10 years. These rates might go from 7% to 6% to 5% and even to 4%. Who knows what's going to happen? Nobody has the crystal ball to tell us what's going to happen. But I can tell you that you want to make sure that you're not overpaying to refinance, pay a bunch of points and things like that. Um, watch out because refinancing is going to be coming back into play big time. And I don't want to see you uh, cornered into a situation where someone just told you that it was a good thing to do and they never really tr truly did the break even to do that. So that's a big one. Okay, so another big one that I'm seeing right now that I get asked constantly, and I think realtors ask me this, clients ask me this, uh, and I think that this is one that you need to pay attention to, common reasons why your application would be declined by an underwriter. You know, everybody thinks I got great credit, I got great income, you know, I should be approved, no problem. That is not the case in the mortgage world. The mortgage world is a complex world, okay, that I deal with every day. I deal with underwriters, I deal with guidelines, I deal with uh, everything under the sun in order to get your loan to closing. You know, an underwriter is going to review your application after I'm done my work, after my processor's done her work, and they're going to make sure that our I's are dotted, our T's are crossed, our, we followed the guidelines, we made sure that everything is clear and, and meets you know, the, the investor guidelines who we may be selling the loan to, or if the, if it's a bank, they're going to service their own loan. They want to make sure that you can repay this loan. 
right? They're not going to put you in a position where you can't pay back the mortgage. This is not 2008 and 2007 where they're just doing everything that breathes and they don't care if you can pay back the mortgage or not. They care now, okay? And so it's tightened up on that end. You know, common reasons for a decline on an application is an application not being done upfront correctly. You know, the loan officer may have just thrown something against the wall to say, let's just try to approve this thing. And uh, hopefully the underwriter approves it. That's not the case. Your debt to income ratio is a key factor in getting your loan approved. You know, debt to income ratio all boils down to the debt that you have on your uh, credit report uh, versus, you know, also what your new mortgage payment's going to be on versus what you make gross monthly. And you could be over your debt ratio. You know, your loan officer could say, yeah, 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 your debt to income ratio is fine. And then an underwriter reviews it and says, they don't agree. The, the income calculation wasn't done correctly up front. You didn't look at that they were self-employed uh, and that they're, they don't make as much income as, as they promised that they made or they told you that they made, and the debt-to-income ratio could be a killer, okay? Another common uh, reason I see is credit. You know, your, your credit scores, you know, just because you have a 620 credit score or a 600 credit score doesn't automatically allow you to say that you get an approval for a mortgage. I've seen people declined on credit because of different things that are on credit that didn't meet the guideline, like a foreclosure only maybe a, a few months ago. Even though you might have a good credit score, you've had a few foreclosure a few months ago, you're not approved. You had a bankruptcy a few weeks ago. You, your credit score jumped up because the, the bankruptcy was discharged. That doesn't matter. Um, you know, you have to meet a certain guideline or a certain waiting time period between the bankruptcy and the time that it's discharged in order to be approved for a mortgage. So, uh, you know, credit is a big one. Debt to income ratio is a big one. And the last one that I can see and that a common reason is assets. You have cash. Uh, we can't verify cash, right? So we can't verify where cash came from. You know, we, you know, you could have cash sitting in your house because you don't trust the banks anymore. This is what's going on in this country. A lot of clients don't trust the banks anymore. You know, so they take all their money out of the bank, they put it in their house, right? And then they come to me and they say, you know, I want to buy a house. I have $50,000 sitting in my, my living room and uh, I want to use that. And unfortunately, the loan officer doesn't verify that, right? So they say, okay, well, you got $50,000. Let's just do it. You know, we can't verify where the cash came from. And that could be a killer of a deal because assets have to be verified at all times. You know, they want two months of bank statements to show where the money came from, that it's been sitting in your bank for at least two months, if you're using a, a 401k, they want to make sure that you can actually withdraw off of that 401k. You just don't say, I have a 401k and I want to use it. The 401k company may say that you can't use those assets. You know, So you want to make sure that you, your, your loan officer does the application correctly up front, looks at the debt-to-income ratio, looks at the credit, looks at the assets, puts it all together, and then when it goes to the underwriter, the loan just gets approved. You get your commitment letter, and I'll see it, you at closing. It's a big one, and uh, I, I want to make sure that going into the new year, everyone understands that the guidelines are not as easy as you think. Just because your friend closed on a deal last week and he said everything was peachy keen doesn't mean it's going to go peachy keen for you, all right? They may find something on you that they didn't find on them. So just uh, just watch yourself on that, and uh, you know, hopefully you go in with a, with a smooth approval and uh, go to closing. So closing notes, as I, as I was saying, I wanted to get this out to you this week because Q&A is always big for me. I, I send out an email every week to my uh, realtors, just letting them know the different things that I see. If you want to be added on that email list, 
I can add you on that if you want to, you know, comment on underneath the show. If you have a question or an answer that you just want to send me, uh, you can almost comment uh, on the YouTube channel or you can, uh, you know, email me directly, whatever's easier for you, but reach out with any questions that you have that I may have missed today. Because I think that the more education and information that I give everyone, the better, right? So that you don't go into it blindly because 2024 is going to be a new year. I think it's going to be a good year. I'm optimistic that we're going to see a lot of more houses come on the market. We're going to see more buyers come off the fence. So I, I, I think questions and answers are big. I'm, I'm, I may do this episode at least once a month because I just think that as we change, um, you know, as as the guidelines change, you'll probably have new answers. So I, I welcome any questions and answers that you have for me. And uh, I'm looking forward to a great new year. Uh, the show's going to get bigger. I'm going to have some great guests coming on, uh, different people. Uh, so look out for that. And again, tune in every Wednesday, 9 a.m. Check us out, start subscribing. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you again. Mm -hmm.